Welcome to Bobby Education Institute. My name is Reverend Henry Kelly. Today, we will be continuing in Romans chapter 7 and verses 1 through 25. And at the, the, the title for this section is Release from the Law, Bound to Christ. And I'm reading out of the NIV, the New International Version. So before I get started, I always like to tell you why we can trust the Bible. And I got this information from Dr. Vody Bach, which you can find on YouTube. And you can uh, Google him, and it'll pop up. You can put in uh, Vody Bach Ministries in your Google search, or whatever search you have, and it will pop it up. The Bible, a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, 40 authors, 66 volumes of books, a span of 1,500 years in three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Written in three languages, mainly Hebrew and Greek, a little in Aramaic, hundreds of subjects and topics, and that's why we can depend on it. Not only do we have the manuscripts and stuff, but also there were witnesses. Okay? And I always like to give you some tools to work with. Uh, like when I get through reading from the Bible, uh, Romans chapter 7, then I'll be going to Matthew Henry's concise commentary on the whole Bible so we can better understand what the chapter was talking about, which most of the time you can, because this section is it, pretty much literal, you know, if you look at your hermeneutics. Um, but, but like, you know, there may be some little differences in there, and so I like to use the commentary right afterwards now because I'm here to make the Bible simple to understand. And uh, you can either buy... Uh, you can either purchase one, use, or new Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the whole Bible, or just a Matthew Henry's Commentary, which is everything. And you can also go online and you can get it. And it's a free uh, Bible study tool. And it's called uh, www.biblestudytools.com. Go to Menu, go to Study Tools, go to Commentaries, down to Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Bible Complete. And it's in the modern language, like I'm reading now, so it makes things a little easier for us to understand. Another good book to have it's called The Complete Works of Flavius Josephus, and he was a military and Jewish historian during the early church. And that's another good uh, reference point for that. I'll, I'll, there's more good stuff, and ho and hopefully late, uh, later I will, like, uh, down the road, not, not a day, but down the road or something, I'll give you some more stuff. Um, that will help you as far as uh, resources that you can use. Okay, let's begin reading. Romans chapter 7. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives, verse 2. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. Verse 3. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Verse 4, so my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Verse 5, for when he, we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we were fruit for death. Verse 6, but now, 
by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Okay, the next section, uh, the title of this section is called The Law and Sin. Verse 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, You shall not covet. Verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Verse 9. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to my sin sprang to life and I died. Verse 10, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Verse 11, for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. Verse 12, still then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Verse 13, did that which is good then become death to me? By no means, nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, is used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. And so I believe what he's saying here is the law, uh, which, is, uh, which is the commandments, the Ten Commandments, shows my sin, uh, shows our sin, right? Because we can't keep the law. So that is, uh, do not lie. You know, do not steal, do not murder, you know, stuff like that. Um, so we've all done, we've all broken God's moral law. And remember, you only have to bring, you only have to break, break one of the laws, and you break them all. So therefore, we're guilty. But the law shows us our sin and shows that we need, we need a Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's what it's talking about. Okay, verse fourteen. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am. Unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do, do not do. But what I hate, I do. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Verse 18, for I know that Good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, so I find the law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Verse 22, for in my inner being I delight in God's law. Verse 23, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. 
Now, we're going to move over to um, the Matthew Henry's concise commentary on the whole Bible and doing um, chapter 7. Okay, let's get started. Chapter 7 is commentary. Number 1, freedom from the law is used as further argument to press sanctification. Number 2, the excellence and usefulness of the law, verses 7 through 14. Number 3, a description of conflict in the heart between grace and corruption, verse 14 and 25. Believers are united to Christ that day that they may bring forth fruit unto God, verses 1 through 6. The use and excellence of the law, verses 7 through 13. The spiritual conflicts between corruption and grace is a believer, chapter 14 and 25. Let's begin. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. So long as a man continues under the law as a covenant and seeks justification by his own obedience, he continues the slave of sin in some form. Nothing but the spirit of life in Christ Jesus can make any sinner free from the law of sin and death. Believers are delivered from the power of the law, which condemns for the sins committed by them, and they are delivered from that power of the law, which stirs up and provokes the sin that dwells in them. Understand this, not of the law as a rule, but as a covenant of works. In profession and privilege, we are under a covenant of grace and not under a covenant of works, under the gospel of Christ, not under the law of Moses. The difference is spoken of under the uh, similitude or figure of being married to a new husband. The second marriage is to Christ. By death, we are freed from obligation to the law as a covenant, as the wife is from her vows to her husband in, in our believing powerfully and effectually. We are dead to the law and have no more to do with it than the dead servant who is freed from his master has to do with his master's yoke. The day of our believing is the day of being united to the Lord Jesus. We enter upon a life of dependence on him and duty to him. Good works are from union with Christ as the fruitfulness of the vine is the product of its being united to its roots. There is no fruit to God till we are united to Christ. The law and the greatest efforts of one under the law still in the flesh under the power of corrupt principles cannot set the heart right with regard to the love of God, overcome worldly lust, or give truth and sincerity in the inward parts or anything that comes by the special sanctification influence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing more than a formal obedience to the outward letter of any precept can be formed by us without the renewing, new creating grace of the new covenant. Chapter 7, verses 7 13, uh, continuing in Matthew Henry's concise commentary on the whole Bible. There is no way of coming to the knowledge of sin which is necessary to, to repentance and therefore to peace and pardon, but by trying our hearts and lives and, um, and lives by the law. In his own case, the apostle would not have known the sinfulness of his thoughts, motives, and actions, but by the law. The perfect standard showed how wrong his heart and life were, proving his sins to be more numerous than he had before thought. But it did not contain any provision of mercy or grace for his relief. He is ignorant of human nature and the 
perverseness of his own heart, who does not perceive in himself a readiness to fancy there is something desirable in what is out of reach. We may perceive this in our children, though self-love makes us blind to it in ourselves. The more humble, spiritual, and any Christian is, the more clearly will be perceived that the apostle describes the true believer from his first convictions of sin to his greatest progress in grace. During this present imperfect state, St. Paul was once a Pharisee, ignorant of the spirituality of the law, having some correctness of character without knowing his inward depravity. When the commandment came to his conscience by the convictions of the Holy Spirit, and he saw what it demanded. He found that his sinful mind rose against it. He felt at the same time the evil of sin, his own sinful state, that he was unable to fulfill the law and was like a criminal when condemned. But though the evil principle in the human heart produces sinful motions, and the more by taking occasion of the commandment, yet the law is holy and the commandment holy, just and good. It is not favorable to sin, which is pursues into the heart and discovers and reproves in the inward motions thereof. Nothing is so good, but a corrupt and vicious nature will pervert it. The same heat that softens wax, hardens clay, food or medicine, when taken wrong, may cause death, though its nature is to nourish or to heal. The law may cause death through man's depravity, but sin is the poison that brings death. Not the law, but sin discovered by the law was made death to the apostle, the ruinous nature of sin, and the sinful of the human heart. Here, here clearly shown. Okay, chapter 7, verse 14 and 17. Compared with the holy rule of conduct of the law of God, the apostle found himself so very far short of perfection that he seemed to be carnal like a man who is sold against his will to a hated master from whom he cannot set himself at liberty. A real Christian unwillingly serves this hate, hated master yet cannot shake off the, the galling chain till his powerful and gracious friend above rescues him. The remaining evil of his heart is a real and humbling hindrance to his serving God, like the angels and the spirits of just men, made perfect. This strong language was the result of St. Paul's great advance in holiness and the depths of his self-abasement and, and hatred of sin. If we do not understand this language, it is because we are so far beneath him in holiness, knowledge of the spirituality of God's law and the evil of our own hearts and hatred of more evil. And many believers have adopted the Apostles' language, showing that it is suitable to their deep feelings of abhorrence of sin and self-abasement. The Apostle enlarges on the conflict he daily maintained with the remainder of his original depravity. He was frequently led into tempters, words, or actions which he did not approve or allow in his renewed judgment and affections. By distinguishing his real self, his spiritual part from the self or flesh in which sin dwelt and by observing that the evil actions were done not by him but by sin dwelling in him the apostle did not mean that men are not accountable for their sins but he teaches the evil of their sins by showing that they are all done against reason and conscience sin dwelling in a man does not prove its ruling or having dominion over him if a man dwells in the city or in a country still he may not rule there Chapter 7, verse 18 to 22. 
The sin that remains in it, the believer sees more of the beauty of holiness and the excellence of the law. His earnest desires to obey increase as he grows in grace, but the whole good on which his will is fully bent, he does not he does not do. Sin ever springs up in him through remaining corruption, and he often does evil, though against the fixed determination of his will, the motions of sin within grieve the apostle, if by the striving of the flesh against the spirit was meant that he could not do or perform as the spirit suggested, so also by the effectual opposition of the spirit, he could not do what the flesh prompted him to do. How, how different this case from that of those who make themselves easy with regard to the inward motions of the flesh, prompting them to evil, who against the light and warning of conscience go on even in outward practice to do evil, and thus with forethought go on in the road of perdition. For as the believer is under grace, and his will is for the way of holiness, he sincerely delights in the law of God and in the holiness which it demands according to his inward man, that new man in him which after God has created is true holiness. Chapter 7, verses 23 to 25. This passage does not represent the apostle as one that walked after the flesh, but as one that had it greatly at heart not to walk so. And if there are those who abuse this passage as they also do the other scriptures to their own destruction, yet serious Christians find cause to bless God for having this provided for their support and comfort. We are not because of the abuse of such as are blinded by their own lust to find fault with the scripture or any just and well-warranted interpretation of it. And no man who is not engaged in this conflict can clearly understand the meaning of these words are rightly judged concerning this painful conflict, which led the apostle to bemoan himself as the wretched man constrained to what he abhorred. He could not deliver himself, and this made him the more fervently th thank God for the way of salvation revealed through Jesus Christ, which promised him in the end deliverance from the enemy. So then, says he, I myself, with my mind and prevailing judgment, affection and purposes as a regenerate man by divine grace, serve and obey the law of God, but with the flesh, the carnal nature, the remains of depravity, I serve the law of sin, which wars against the law of my mind, not serving it so as to live in it or to allow it, but as unable to free himself from it, even in his very best state, and needing to look for help and deliverance out of himself, it is evident that he thanks God for Christ as our deliverer, as our atonement with righteousness in himself, and not because of any holiness wrought in us. He knew of no such salvation and disowned any such title to it. He was willing to act in all points agreeable to the law in his mind and conscience, but was hindered by indwelling sin and never attained the perfection of law requires what deliverance can there be for a man always sinful but the free grace of god is offered in christ jesus the power of divine grace and of the holy spirit could root out sin from our hearts e even in this life if divine wisdom had not otherwise thought it or thought fit 
but it is permitted so that Christians might constantly feel and understand thoroughly the wretched state from which divine grace serves them. They might be kept from trusting in themselves, and they might ever hold all their consolation and hope from the rich and free grace of God in Christ. And that ends chapter 7, uh, reading this part, Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Holy Bible. And we read before that, we read uh, Romans chapter 7. In the uh, NIV New International Version Bible. So, now I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I'll make this kind of short here. First Corinthians 6, verse 9 or, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral or dollars for adulterers normal, nor men who practice homosexuality. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, ESV. But as for the cowardly, the faith, faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I'll give you some salvation scriptures. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. King James Version, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in the heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteous, and with the mouth confesseth the salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, King James Version, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, King James Version, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And let's go over the, a few of the commandments so, so you can see why we need Christ. For those who have not given their life to Christ, Maybe you're still not sure, or whatever the case may be. So this is the time to let's go over it. And uh, this is a good way to judge yourself whether you're a good person or not, according to God's commandments, the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to give you a few of them. Okay, have you ever lied? And what he calls one that lies a liar. That's the Ninth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness. Remember, you only have to break one of the Ten Commandments, you break them all. Uh, have you ever stolen anything or borrowed something never brought it back or took like a pen or paper clip or whatever it doesn't matter what the cost is it's the intent like you know we went and got it and didn't really care about it you know, to us it's no big deal but to God God's standards is high way higher than ours we think everything's fine but it's not and what do you call someone who steals a thief so that's a liar and a thief let me do one more uh, have you ever hated anybody? According to Jesus, he said, if you ever hated anybody, you already murdered in your heart. And that's the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. And that's three. That's why we need Jesus Christ in our lives, because we can't, we're not good enough, we're not holy enough. So, if God was to judge, judge you by the Ten Commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? Heaven or hell? You'd be guilty and on the way to hell, because we can't keep it. That's why Christ had to come to be the one-time sacrifice, but you have to come His way by realizing that you sin against God, you're guilty. So now, to be saved, we must come with a sorrowful, contrite heart. God knows your heart and your intent. And then repent of your sins. That's Christ for forgiveness. And then sur surrender and, and then um, put your trust that you had in yourself and transfer that to Christ alone. Kind of like if you're in an airplane about to crash 
and someone gives you a parachute, you go hang on to that parachute because this will save you from the jump to come. Jesus saves you from the judgment to come, and that's why we need Christ. And I would advise you to to get, to do that as fast as you can quickly because every 24 hours, 100,000 100, people die every 24 hours in this world. Let me give you some resources. You can watch Dr. Vodi Bakum on YouTube and online. Just put Vodi Bakum Ministries in there pop up. Uh, R.C. Spro, we're looking at their ministries and all this you can watch on YouTube also and on their websites, whatever. Living Waters of Ray Comfort, livingwaters.com, Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham, AnswersInGenesis.org, Wall Builders with David Barton, wallbuilders.com, and he's got a daily radio show Monday through Friday. You can you click, you, know, you can find that online, and uh, and he gives you American uh, church history, you know, biblical, you know how America got started and everything, and he does some around the world, but mostly his thing is. Uh, the American uh, Christian Church and the history of it. Dr. Walter Martin, waltermartin.org. Apologia Studios with Jeff, Pastor Jeff Durbin, apologiastudios.com. If you go to apologiastudios.com and go to the menu, if you, you'll see uh, Greg Bonson or Bonson U, and he was a, a, a seminary professor, one of the best ones. He died uh, some years ago, and his family had collected all of his audio recordings and gave it to Apology of Studios. They remastered it. And you can literally now get a free seminary education. You can click on all the different studies that that he has that um, uh, Dr. Greg Bonson did and everything. And if you would like to correspond with us, it is all lowercase Bible Education Institute at gmail.com. And we have a new website. It's Nothing fantastic. It's just a cheap one, but it works just fine. Um, and it is five lowercase d lowercase b e one one eight two lowercase e five eight three one dot site. It's all lowercase s i t e one two three dot me, and me is also lowercase. And it should be a it should be linked below in the information, and you can just click on it if you so desire. And um, we're also able to take donations if you would like to give that would be fine too and that's all and that's also at the bottom uh there's a link there at the bottom you can either click on it or you may have to copy and paste and put it in your search engine or whatever totally up to you if you would like to you know help us continue in uh making the bible simple to understand to everybody you can also find us on uh youtube rumble uh, Telegram, Getter, Twitter, Facebook, and on uh, uh, the podcast platforms, Listen Notes, Luminary Podcast, Player FM, HeliumRadio.com, Helium Radio Network, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Amazon Music, Overcast, Chrome, G-Pod, Firefox, Safari, iTunes, Audible, Alexa, Google, Podbean, Internet Explorer, Podcast Addict, and others. And here's some more teachers that are very good. Doug Wilson, Gary DeMar. And of course, Pastor Jeff Durbin, Dr. James White, he's also with Apology of Studios, Pastor Joel Webb with Right Response Ministries, Dr. Vody Bacham again, um, and Dr. R.C. Sproul with Ligonier Ministries. And they are really, really, really good. And also, a good resource if to buy new used books. I buy a lot of used books, 
they're good shape and they're a whole lot cheaper. And that is um, Thrift Books, Abe Books, A B E B O O K S, Amazon, and Alibris, A L I B R I S. You can put the name of the books online there and it'll pop up all these different um, booksellers. So, also another good resource. If you go to your search engine and put in TCT Network, and go to on-demand programs. There's one that's very good. It's called Faith and History. William Federer gives you all of church history, and he makes it very interesting to watch. It's very fascinating. It's very good. And also, it used to be one about the Old Testament called Ancient Jewish Wisdom, but it's no longer there. But you can find him as Rabbi Daniel Lappin. You can find him on RabbiDanielLappin.com and his wife, Susan Lappin. Helps him sometimes, and she also has a blog on the website. Really, really good. And so, till next time, remember, read the Bible daily without fail and do what it says.